is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Berluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. This is Drake. And welcome back. Uh, I don't know what to say now. I don't know. Well, let's just uh, talk about some beer. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I'll talk about it because <laughs> I brought this one to it us. It came out of your fridge. It so. did come out of my fridge. So this beer, um, it's interesting. So it is. It is supposed to be, before I tell you what it is, it's supposed to be a cranberry sour goza with edible glitter. To help spread the holiday cheer. That's right. Even though there's basically a 0% chance any of you are going to be listening to this episode during the holidays. It was it was uh, gained during the holidays. So. It was procured during procured. holiday times. Um, but yeah, basically what we are drinking today is we are drinking the Bond Brothers Beer Company Cranberry Cheer Sorcery. So Correct, yeah. Cranberry. Bond Brothers is a Cary, North Carolina institution. Pretty yep. well known. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people who love Bond Brothers. Like, yeah. they're constantly being like, I'm going out to Bond Brothers to sit on the patio. Their beer is so great. I love it. <laughs> and there's a whole vibe there. There's a definite vibe there. I do not vibe there. No? You don't no. like the patio? No, I don't. You got to like the patio. That's I what don't. it's all about. I like, um, there's another brewery that's, it's not near there. It's kind of near there. Uh, Fortnite. Oh, oh, yeah. I like Fortnite. Different vibe, better vibe. I like that a little bit. I like the Fortnite vibe way better. I liked the inside pre-COVID. That was kind of like the grandma's British basement. Kind of hang out there. There's a fire. Well, it has this like very Irish soccer pub kind of feel to it. It's all like dark, you know, stained walnut with the wood tables with the big benches. And they have, uh, you know, uh, football jerseys. European football jerseys everywhere. Yeah. They're like a uh like one of those like hometown bars for Arsenal or something. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. They, so, they they actually are exactly that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've but seen brewery, a bunch of people there in Arsenal shirts. So yeah. Yeah. yeah that brewery is really cool. They make a bunch of beers that are really they good. Do. And they brew uh kombucha there too. They do. Their kombucha is pretty great. You can get the kombucha at all the stores. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the kombucha that they make there. It's like Tri City kombucha or something. It's good. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have a couple. They have one that's made with rosemary and sage. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It tastes like Thanksgiving. Yeah. There's a really good kombucha place in Asheville, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but they have this one that's like a blueberry and I like, uh, like rhubarb root or something. One and oh man, it's I'm into rhubarb. It's super good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bomb Brothers, different than Fortnite. Totally different vibe. Very different. There's a very like chill patio vibe. Um, they do. They do like um, yoga in one of those front rooms. They do. They're really well known for their Tuesday night run clubs. Yeah. That is huge. My yeah. wife used to run that. She ran it enough until she got the shirt and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny. I know um, Big Boss does a run club too. Yeah. 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 Which I and always, Fortnite does too. Fortnite has a run club. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that's like confused by brewery run clubs, but at the same <laughs> time, I'm like, okay, so go exercise and sweat all of your electrolytes and, you know, water out of you and then get fucked up 
at the some of them you get a free beer at some of them you get like a reduced price beer like there's there's some perks going on yeah the free running jersey is a big thing free running jersey yeah it's like a tank top but it's made out of like moisture wicking technology oh yeah you get that after you run enough times yeah. or something so my wife i think she had to run like 10 runs you come you check in you run 10 times and you know they expect that when you come and run you're going to come back and drink two or three beers afterwards so yeah because you want to get hammered yeah exactly so so you, say you drink two beers that's six butt cheats that's 12 bucks you're gonna drop 120 dollars over your 10 run time being there to get a four dollar jersey yeah exactly so that they probably like slow boat over from china and drop ship for nothing <laughs> you know yeah no that's probably a hundred percent true the closest that i could get to like relating to run club at the brewery would yeah. be beer league and hockey oh yeah, yeah. and that's awesome like, I'm a fan of the. There's a couple of bike clubs. Uh, Cotton House Brewery has a bike club that goes. I feel for like long that's rides. dangerous. Biking, Probably biking yeah. and then getting drunk, and then because like I would. I wonder how many people like ride their bike home. Like they ride their bike for the bike riding thing, and then they get smashed at the brewery because after Every you're all like sweated out after exercising, yeah. it takes like two beers and you're destroyed oh yeah and all of them ride them there's nobody putting a bike on a back of a car out in front of this brewery i've never seen that happen okay yeah yeah that'd be i mean i used to live in downtown raleigh when i was a young hipster dude and part of my thing was that i would ride my bike downtown and at the time i was a bartender so i mean i knew all the other bartenders the other bars and so like i would just ride my bike right in the bar because like sometimes when it was nice out they would um, leave the you know front door to the bar open, and I would just like ride my bike <laughs> right in the bar, and I would just like stop in front Amazing. of the bar, like still on my bike, and I'd and I'd like turn my head and I'd look <laughs> at them, I'd be like, you know what I want, and they'd be like, PBR me, <laughs> and then I would just like you know drink a beer or two at that bar, ride to my next friend's bar, drink a beer or two there, ride yeah. to the next bar, drink a couple beers, and I would just do that all night, and then by the time I was done, I was like. 10 beers deep. And then I was like, yeah, it's only four miles home. It'll be fine. <laughs> and <laughs> not really. It was probably more like two, but I would ride my bike home just smashed. Yeah. It was I, fun. I'm surprised I never got hit by a car or fell off my bike or anything. I remember when I was in college, I used to go to this place in next to my, I went to college at Florida Atlantic University and there was a bar nearby called Surf Cafe. Uh, rest in peace. And uh, oh, sad. they used to do way back in the day. I mean, this is like, 90, 1999 or something. They used to have uh, 50 cent pitcher nights. Oh, nice. Just garbage beer. I don't even know what it was. It was probably Miller Lite or something. And uh, you would just get two of them at once and like kill these pitchers. And I remember we rode our bikes there from my friend's apartment. And it wasn't that far away. It was pretty close, but it was close enough where we were like, let's go ahead and walk these bikes back. <laughs> let's get, let's take this easy. Yeah, there was, um, there's this, uh, spot in Raleigh, um, near state that my fraternity brothers and I used to go to all the time. It was called the players retreat. And I think oh, we've yeah. talked about it before on the yeah, show, but one thing that's really cool about that bar is every year on their, like the bar's birthday, like oh, anniversary cool. okay. day or whatever, they do this thing where all day, Bud Heavy and hot dogs are the same price as they were when the bar opened. Oh, when did it open? Like the 50s. Okay, so a nickel, 50 cents, something like that. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's like it's uh, nickel beers and like dime hot dogs. 
Cool. There was a one of the major league baseball stadiums does that. I want to say it's like Wrigley Field or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I've I've heard people talk about that. Yeah, but the, if you're ever in the area, find out when the PR's birthday is. I mean, it's great. That well, cool. when it's not COVID, sure. the place gets absolutely packed. There's probably going to be tons of college kids out. I might even be out there, and I'll be <laughs> drinking these little like solo cups of Bud Heavy and you know warm Bud Heavy cold hot dogs, and it's like 15 cents for a beer and a hot dog, and then I just get like five or six hot dogs and like. 50 Bud Heavies. And 50 I was just Dixie cups. I'd be smashed <laughs> off like five bucks. It was the best. And all of my fraternity brothers and I, we would just go and we'd all drop like five bucks and be destroyed. Amazing. And um, yeah, I mean, that's not the only place that would do stuff like that. Like there was some other spots downtown, like these college style bars. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm too old now to know if this is still a thing. But if you're listening to this episode and this is still <laughs> a thing, wherever you are, uh, find us on Instagram or shoot us a message or comment on something. Let us know. Um, but it would be penny pitchers. And so oh. like you would go to a bar and it was like five bucks to get in. But then once you were in, it was a penny for a pitcher of whatever beer they had. And it would be like Miller Lite or PBR or wow. Bud Light or whatever. And they would just keep rotating through the shitty beer until they were out. But yeah, each person oh, pays five yeah. bucks to get in and then you get a whole pitcher for a penny. But the catch with the ones here uh, was that you had to actually have a penny. Oh, like who has it pennies? Was, yeah, it wasn't like put another one cent on my tab. Right. No, right. it was like you had to have a physical penny. And they put them all in an envelope it. behind the bar. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they just had this giant pitcher... Wow. And, you know, you go up to the bar and you'd Were have they doing to, it for like an art project or something? Like who needs No, pennies? I mean, I don't know. This was like the trashiest bar. I hated this place. <laughs> I only ever went when people were like, we're going to go to whatever this fucking place is and get penny pictures to get fucked up. And I'm like, all Fair. right. I mean, who's got the pennies? Right. <laughs> you probably, it's, it's probably harder to find pennies than it is to get to the bar. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this bar doesn't exist anymore. Where it is, it's yeah. been like knocked down. It's, there's like a CVS on top of it now uh, or something like okay. that. But no, it was pretty cool back in the day. Um, but yeah, getting back to this beer. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, so Bond Brothers, I just am not a huge fan. Yeah. I mean, so when I first moved to Cary... It was the place everybody went to. So like whenever we would meet up with other parents and everybody wanted to go, they liked going there because it was kind of an enclosed space where you could let your kid run around a little bit. Yeah. In a bit of a respectful way, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's like that pizza shop right there and there's like... Uh, the Little C's is right there. Yeah. There's the... Um, what's the other place that's there? The Pro Epicurean. There's like this Italian meat market kind of place where you can get like uh charcuterie boards and stuff. Yeah. This is right down the street from Taipei. Yes. That place rules. Yeah. It's right next to Taipei and pharmacies right there. Pharmacies right there. Yeah. Pharmacy, which is a favorite. I really like, um, um, Ashworth. Oh yeah. I've actually Ashworth never been pharmacy, there. which is across yeah. the street. That place is really cool. Cause it's like, it's a pharmacy and a deli. It's been there forever. A million yeah. years. When we first moved to Raleigh, we were walking around the different towns we'd want to move into. And we went there and my wife was like, I went there when I was a little kid and we, Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. We checked with her parents and they were like, she was like, yeah, we went there and had a hot dog or whatever. Cause it was, yeah, it was a deli. Yeah. Um, there's this really cool thing that, um, my wife and I did a, a number of years ago and I think we've told you guys about it. Um, but where, so where bond brothers is, is like right in downtown proper of downtown carry, which is right. this little tiny, like, 
two block nothing. area. Yeah. It's nothing. It's one stoplight, literally. Yeah. And but um it's right next or within walking distance of the Amtrak station, like where the yes. train yard is. Yep. And then of course, like right behind that on the other side from where downtown is, is the only strip club in Cary. Is that what that is? I've yeah. driven by there. Pure gold. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I figured the name. Yeah. 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 No, it's a it's a strip club. All the famous strippers come through there. Like oh yeah. Um, but anyway, I didn't realize we had touring strippers stopping. <laughs> well, it's basically like they're the gentleman's club, or there's this other one, Capital Cabaret, which okay. is up in like um I didn't know there were famous touring strippers. I didn't know those other things. Well, it's like porn stars and stuff. Oh, we'll like, like travel through strip clubs and do like strip It's like shows. bands doing live shows around the country. Um, it would be like bands doing live shows. It it would be more like um like the, the drummer for Periphery, Matt Halpern, he does yeah. drum clinics when he's not touring with Periphery. Okay. This would be more like that because okay. the porn stars aren't doing porn, which is their thing. They're doing like stripping right. stuff, which is like their way to make money on the side, but not the thing that they do. Yeah. It'd be like that. I bet but they, they make, just travel around. I bet and, they make bank doing that. They have to make Yeah. Bank. Well, because they'll be like, um, I don't even know who like the famous porn stars right now, but it'd be like whoever that is, is coming through pure gold next yeah. Friday. Or the whatever only one I can think of is Stormy Daniels because the whole Trump thing. That's the only one I can think of. Isn't she like an old school? Yeah, I think star? so. Or like what, Jenna Jameson. She's probably super old school too. Like, Oh yeah. I don't know. The, yeah. I, those, My age is showing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even know who the new ones are, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, you can, it's for like 15 bucks a person or something. This would be a really cool date for you guys out there. If you ever have like a free Saturday once COVID's over and you want to take your lady on a fun date, uh, take her into downtown Raleigh into this area, like right in downtown Raleigh proper called the depot. And that is right next to where Raleigh's like Am's, Amtrak station is. And for like 15 bucks, you can get a ticket from Raleigh's Amtrak station to Carrie's Amtrak station and back. Right. And so one time when my wife and I were living on that side of town, we did that and we got tickets and we literally like did the whole thing where you like go in the station they take your yeah. card and they punch it and you go get on the train and you sit on it and ride through it. And there's all this really cool stuff that you can see from the train that you can't see from the yeah. road or you would never see otherwise. Yeah. And we just rode to the Amtrak Station in Cary, cool. got off, walked over to Ashworth, walked to pharmacy, walked through all downtown Cary, and then a couple hours later, train picks you back up, you go home. Yeah, I, I mean, I know people who've taken it to like Charlotte for shows and stuff. Yeah, I'd considered doing that before I got a car yeah. and like before I had friends who would drive to Charlotte yeah. with me because I'm just like, I want to go down, I want to get blasted. Oh, and by the way, the uh, the Fillmore or whatever that... Uh, uh, venue as that's in Charlotte where all the metal bands go through is right. within walking distance of the Charlotte yeah. Amtrak station. But it's probably a four hour ride to get out there or something. Yeah, it's like three and a half hours or, so, or four hours. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's like three and a half or four hours. It's yeah. a long time and it only takes two hours and yeah. 20 minutes or something to get to Charlotte. So fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those novelty type things. It's fun. It was fun. <laughs> um, but, we keep getting away from this beer, yeah but, but back to Bond Brothers I, the way I think about them is they have a lot of like rotating not very memorable IPAs that just kind of have random silly names and you know some of them are good some of them are bad but they all kind of like mesh together yeah 
they have a stout I really like called uh, a Latte Variant, I think. Okay. And it's it's good. It's a very heavy stout. It's great. Okay. Um, I've had one sour there that was decent, but you know, this is, it's kind of a, kind of a crystal light, kind of a crystal light taste. Yeah. I feel like this is the cranberry version of that glass jug. Oh yeah. The, the pie, Go, sour pie. Yeah, yeah. Except this is cranberry and there's literally no, uh, glitter in it that I can see. And I even texted my friend who like, got this for me and was like, this is supposed to be really cool. It has edible glitter in it. And I was so pumped for it. Like I was expecting it to be like swirling with swirly twirly edible glitter. Like a hot chocolate bomb or something crazy. Yes. And nothing. There's none. 0%. There's 0%. Uh, edible glitter in this. I'm very disappointed. Like, I feel like I would like this better if there was edible glitter and there's no edible glitter and I'm I would definitely now. think a little higher of it. Yeah. I have two more of these in my fridge and I'm just like, uh, what a letdown because it's, and like, I would bet money the ones, so the ones in your fridge are can, actual like 16 ounce cans. Yeah. This is a crowler. crowler. So it's I'm guessing 32 this, ounces. this probably got poured out from a different batch or something. Maybe, maybe. Well, my friend told me that hers didn't have any oh. in it either. She was oh. like, it's supposed to, but I didn't really see any. And like, there's nothing to me. This to me is a very indicative of Bond Brothers beer. <laughs> do I yeah. dislike it? No. But do I like it? Also, no. It's very right. unmemorable. Like, does it taste like cranberry? Sure. But it, there's nothing making me want to come back to it. Like, I'm not like, I can't wait to break open the two in my fridge. Right. Instead, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I wish this was more like Tricycle Prince, <laughs> which is what we drank last time. And I remember the telling Jake... Head. The purple yeah, warhead. He, exactly. I remember telling Jake after we were done with that, I was like, God, that was so hard to drink. Yeah. But now I'm sitting here, and a couple of times over the last couple of days, I've been like, you know what? <laughs> There's a little part of me that wants the punishment of not knowing whether I liked that beer or not because it was punching me in the throat with sour again. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Like, I liked how it confused me. It was very confusing. I had a I had a beer with a friend. It was a sour from the Funkatorium uh, in Asheville. And it tasted very similar. It was like a blackberry sour. And I mentioned I mentioned the uh, the prince to him, and he was like, "Oh, the Warhead beer." Like, <laughs> like he, he oh, knew right awesome. away what that taste was. And then I mentioned the fun dip stick you get in between each taste, and he was like. Yeah, that, yeah, I do remember. I do I know. think of that. I was now. like, it tastes yeah. like the powder. Yeah. That yeah. comes out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, like this beer to me, like it's just so meh, you know? Like it's just, it's not bad, but it's not good. Yeah. Like there's nothing memorable about it. Like it's not sweet. It's not sour. It's, yeah. doesn't, it's not heavy with cranberry. Like there's nothing identifying. Or memorable about it. The can is even really boring. There is no shit on <laughs> this. That's their general crowler can. They put everything in, yeah. Well, I mean, I want to say that the tall boy labels are more I or think less they the look, same. Yeah, I think they look exactly the same. Like it's just a green label that says Bond Brothers, and then it has a clear sticker on it that has the name of the beer and the ABV. Bond everything. Brothers does an interesting thing where they're like, we're Cary hometown and we're North Carolina. And they even have those shirts where it has the picture of North Carolina. It says home. Yeah. Right where Raleigh is. Yeah. And they do all that stuff. But it's like, I'm wearing that same shirt. Not the Bond oh, Brothers one, but you know, one of the those home, shirts yeah. with the state that says home. Yeah. yeah. Under my hoodie right now. It's like they go a lot of way to talk about that. But like at the end of the day, they're not doing a lot for that. But I mean, 
for Carrie, it is definitely like the meeting place brewery outside of Fortnite. That's a, yeah. Know? See, that's so confusing to me because I've been there so many times and every time I literally try every beer they have yeah. on, on right now on, yeah. or on at the time that I'm there. And it's, they, they usually keep a fair number of beers on. It's like 10 or 12 yeah. or something. And I just feel like I'm slogging through this whole <laughs> list of beers. And by the time I get to the bottom, like I start with the IPAs, I try the two or three. I'm like, eh, those are all right. All right, let yeah. me try the brown ale. Eh, man, I didn't really like that. All right, let me get the whatever fucking, fucking a lot other of the people that go got. there are like business dad. Like I'm a business dad, business dad. And I work in real estate and I'm going to come <laughs> have an IPA on Saturday and I'm going to sit down and enjoy my beer. Like, oh you know, it's, and then they bring wine mom with them. And wine mom's like, do you have a cab salve? And like, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of like bomb brothers, you know? And then it's like, right. well, we can get a pizza here and I'm going to have my pizza and my IPA and I'm, beer dad you know and, and you right. see it you know i could see that just a bunch of like super carry super dads yeah like yeah. and they're yeah. all cool people you know they do their thing and mm. the one i mean the, just, the one uh and i'm probably going to be that guy in 10 years you know the um i don't think so the one it's possible the one interesting thing about bond brothers the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me at bond brothers i saw a golden retriever bite another dog what? And I have never seen a golden retriever bite another anything in my entire life. Yeah. And this other dog was just walking by him. This golden retriever launched out and bit the other dog's leg. Oh, wow. And that's very surprising. It is characteristic of a golden. Right. And um, if you don't know, like breweries in in Raleigh and North Carolina or in Cary in North Carolina or Raleigh, very, very well known for being dog friendly. Like you can bring your dog to pretty much any of them. Yeah. You know? If you Nobody don't allow cares. dogs, you're going to go out of business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Even, even little indoor places are just like, yeah, bring your dog, whatever. But yeah, this place is always swamped with dogs and there's always like a little tussle here and there, but it's always like a Pomeranian and a Shih Tzu went after each other. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, well, those two dogs suck. So right, and then I saw a golden retriever go after like a black lab, and it's just like, what so is weird. this all about? You yeah, know? yeah. When we take my dog spots, it's like he's not there. <laughs> People just don't even know that he's there. Yeah, he goes under the table and he chills, and he's oh. just he just hops under the table and vibes. See, I've pit bulls, so like people are like. Oh my God, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to bite my face off from a hundred right. yards away. And my dogs are literally furniture, like yeah. literally <laughs> furniture. Like you bring him there and it's like, I could bring an Ottoman and I could bring my pit bull and they would, the Ottoman would actually probably cause more of a problem because it would be in people's ways and couldn't move quickly. Yeah. Whereas my pit bull, people would walk by and he would go under my chair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, Steve is the same way. He just likes to get under the table and vibe. Yeah. And he just, he just chills. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the people who bring their dogs to breweries, even though I like seeing dogs at breweries, these are the same dum-dums that just, I was going to say bring their kids to breweries, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, so I would always prefer dogs over kids, but yeah, like, I, I agree with that as someone with a kid. I agree with that <laughs> but, a, as but, someone who brings a kid to breweries. I agree with that. Yeah. But um, the only thing worse than a dog, that's behaving poorly at a brewery is their idiot owner. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, and there's just so many dumbasses taking their dumb dogs out. And yeah. Like, just, I don't know. There's a, there's a lady who hang, I, I hang out at pharmacy a lot. That's our like preferred bottle shop. And, 
Um, they're in downtown Cary, right next door to, not next door, but a little bit down the street from uh, Bomb Brothers. Yeah. But there's a lady who has a, I want to say it's like a whippet something or other, just this little kind of raspy, ratty dog. Yeah. And it will go after everybody that walks by. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah, most places are pretty cool. They're like, hey, listen, you know, don't bring your dog here if it's going to go after people. But she'll like bring it outside, bring it back inside, back and forth, back and forth. And so it seems like she's kind of trying to do something, but the dog's still just like snapping at her. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Word. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about this beer. I'm just like not that into it. Yeah, it's got a crystal light vibe. It's okay. It does. It's very like crystal light colored. I feel like I would be well hydrated after a couple of these. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like there's some left in the can and I'm just like, I'm sure you want me to drink this because you probably don't. (laughs) Do you want some? No, you can. You can finish. I have another. I have another one. All right. I guess I'll finish it. I guess I'm about to find out if all of the glitter? glitter was in the bottom. I don't see anything. I don't see any glitter. This is so disappointing. It's a little, yeah. This cranberry cheer had no sorcery. <sighs> this cranberry sorcery had no cheer. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and it's, they literally say on their Instagram post, they dubbed this beer curfew special number two. They've done a couple of like special brews. Once yeah. uh, we went under curfew here and this one, I guess was their second one and they called it a cranberry sour with edible glitter to help spread the holiday cheer and no edible glitter, no holiday cheer, no sour. Yeah. So I guess maybe let's uh, let's go ahead and move on and talk about uh, aliens invading the earth. Aliens. Yeah. All it's right. Always, I'm into aliens. it. So all right. So Jake, well, we're we're talking about aliens. We absolutely are talking about aliens. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. If you were going to invade the earth, or at least spy on the earth. Okay. Or even invade an anthill or spy on an anthill. What would you do to do that? Well, I feel like I would spy on an anthill and spy on the earth in different... Slightly different ways? Slightly different ways. All right, let's stick with the earth then. So, okay, what would the process be? If you were an alien species and you just kind of like realize there's humans here doing a thing. Okay. Do I know stuff about... Like, like, all right, L- no. let's flip it up some. <laughs> we, I am like the captain of a super advanced spaceship thing and I'm sure. going to another planet. And what do I know? Do I know that there's stuff, people stuff down, down, down there or stuff down there? You've heard some radio transmissions that sound kind of like Charlie Chaplin stuff from the twenties. Okay. Uh, and so I just want to like do recon. Sure. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? I don't know. So I feel like I would want to do one of those like Marvin the Martian gigantic telescopes with like the nine turns in it kind of yeah. situation okay. and just like go hang out on the moon and be like, have a look. What can I see? Yeah. Or I would just fly that bitch straight down and be like, who down here? Like Mars, Mars attacks. <laughs> who, who, who that? Who, who that? <laughs> Just stroll right in. Yeah. I mean, if you're rah, a certain rah, rah. <laughs> Jack Nicholson playing nine different roles. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're of a certain level of alien species, I mean, I guess you can walk in yeah. with your swagger as high as you can, you know, depending yeah. on how big your guns are. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if we're if uh, if we have NASA Super Soldier laser guns, then that I mean, I just go down there and start, you know, laser beaming them. What if you whatever. have a fear that the entire Earth is populated by people with NASA Super Soldier laser guns? Um, then I got I, I I don't know. I guess I'm fucked. Take a little slower. Yeah, have a I, look, see, yeah. Have a pee. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. That being said, what do you know about the Black Knight satellite? Um, aliens are, are just orbiting using the cues? Earth. Are you just using contextual cues to put this together? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I know an extremely limited amount about this. And the most that I know about it is that our one and only, well, at the time we're recording this, yeah. one and only awesomest patron, patron uh, reached out to me and said we needed to talk about this. And I had no clue what she was talking about. So I reached out to Jake and I was like, Jake, do you know about this shit? And he was like, sure do. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, great. We need to write an episode about it right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so John reached out to me and said, you know, what do you know about the Black Knight? And I said, uh, I know the general characteristics of it, which at the time was basically like people think this is like this really old alien satellite that's orbiting the earth. Okay. Um, the basics of what I knew, I thought it was millions of years old at yeah. the time. Uh, it turns out it's not millions. It can't of years be. Old. It can only be 6,000 years old because that's when Jesus and the dinosaurs invented ah, the earth. Point. Solid point. Solid point. Oh, uh, we have to, we have to say thank you to our patron. Should thank we you say for thank the, you for our patron? Thank you for the idea and thank you for the patronage. Yes. We so appreciate this. Thank you so much, Alyssa, our one and only patron, yeah. for giving us the idea for this show. <laughs> so this one's just for you. We're talking about Black Knight today. I wish we Which had I still those. don't know shit about. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. You'll know a lot about it in a few minutes. All right, cool. I wish we had one of those air horns like do, do, do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used so, to have an app on my phone where it had all these sound effects on it and I could just pull it up and like go <laughs> as I was like pushing it on my phone. It was awesome. And everyone hated you for it? Well, when I, yes. And when I, because I used to like keep it on me all the time and I would like walk into the bar and I'd be like, what's up like you guys? Shortcut. I'm here. <laughs> and like a buddy of mine would do people the same love thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. people hated it. But I thought That's it was like hilarious. one of people's favorite things. I know. Well, I upgraded my phone at some point and lost that app and then I couldn't As download it again. Yeah. So but yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> that being said. All right. So what is the shit? So it's a satellite. Right. So it's been orbiting the earth for around thirteen thousand years. That's a thought. Okay. So then Jesus and the dinosaurs didn't invent the earth six thousand years ago. Doesn't seem like it. From our basic knowledge points that we have to begin with, that does not seem like the case. Okay. Um, I'm already skeptical. Yeah, although we do have some amazing <laughs> paintings of Jesus riding dinosaurs, which are pretty great. You can look those up on Google. Yeah. Um, so this uh, extraterrestrial satellite that's been orbiting Earth has been spotted by a ton of people over the past 100 years, even going back to like Dark Ages paintings, Renaissance paintings. There's oh, wow. people who have painted the shape and painted the idea of it and stuff. So we have these kind of like ephemeral thoughts of it going back thousands of years. Okay. Um, but we have some very, very um, grounded and kind of legitimate spite sightings of this um, starting in the late 1800s and going through. So the first real 
and I'm going to put this in air quotes, official sighting from a military and government source was in 1954 by a guy named Dr. Lincoln Lopez. He said that he spotted two different satellites uh, orbiting the Earth, which in 1954 was a big freaking deal because that's still like three or four years before Sputnik. Okay. So there was nothing that was supposed to be up in the sky okay. orbiting around, not not debris, not anything. Okay. And um, the reason it freaked out enough people and really put the Pentagon into a complete panic spin was because at the time, everybody was developing satellites. Okay. And we were really, we being people from the United States, were really worried that Russia maybe beat us to the punch and had a super secret satellite program going on. Got it. So... We, uh, Dr. Lincoln Lopez freaked everybody out, got everybody out there. They started searching and looking. Uh, but, you know, the, it backs up who is Lopez? Like, what's his background? So this guy went to Wichita State, uh, then Harvard. And during World War II, he became an operational analyst for the Army. He founded the Institute of Meteoritics, Meteorites. And uh, then he went on to run the mathematics and astronomy departments at the University of New Mexico. So fairly legitimate dude. Yeah, I mean, he's done some space shit. Yeah, he's done some spacey stuff. So, But before he documented these particular satellites, the one Black Knight and then the other one that just kind of vanished uh, off the face of the Earth. You mean went home? What? It went home. Yeah, exactly. They (laughs) they returned. Uh, Before he documented all these, so he had in his personal life two UFO sightings of his own. Uh, leading up to all this stuff that he was very open and honest about. Okay, nice. Yeah, so the first one happened two days after the Roswell crash uh, on July 10th. That was on July 8th. He saw a UFO on July 10th uh, pretty close to Roswell. He was like 40 miles from where Roswell happened. And he was pretty open about it at the time. He worked for the military, filed a report, did all that stuff. And then a few years later, he had a really well-known and documented sighting of what the Air Force went on to call the Green Fireballs, which was uh, kind of a big deal. Air Force wrote a lot about it. Basically, a bunch of people, like 100 or so people, saw these gigantic floaty green swamp balls shooting across the sky. Swamp balls. Yeah, swamp balls. (laughs) And and they were... Wrote a lot about it. That was it. Okay. And so there was no other, there was nothing else that came out of it. They just saw their swamp balls, filed their reports, and went on their way. Have you ever seen anything weird in the sky? Crazy lights or anything? Swamp balls in particular? Yeah. No. Have you ever seen the swamp balls? No. I grew up on the edge of the swamp, so I've I've had swamp balls, but I haven't yeah. seen anything like that up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, me um, either. Have I seen anything? I have seen a couple of weird light stuff that I feel like probably could have been explained by being super tired driving down the highway at two o'clock in the morning eating too many uh uh, apricots mushroom caps while driving yeah (laughs) mushroom caps um (laughs) no i've seen a couple like one or two kind of weird occurrences but nothing that really is like i've seen a damn ufo like i don't have that experience yeah i don't either i've never seen anything in the sky flying around erratically or giant green flaming swamp balls or anything like that yeah and i'm open to it you know if you have yeah if you have big swamp balls or floating lights i'm into it send in my direction i'll have a look you know okay what about Uh, rous 
rodents of unusual sizes. Yeah. I have seen uh, opossums of that unusual are fairly size. Large. Yeah, that have been fairly large. Okay. Uh, but no specific rats or mice <laughs> that are that size. All right. All right. Uh, I have seen a small bear that could have been a rodent of unusual size if I wasn't wearing my glasses or something along those lines. I've seen a bunch of bears. Well, we are in bear country. Yeah. I have a bear drinking game. We should play it one time. It, it, what does that involve, a bear drinking game? Yeah. So when I was in, I have another college story. So when I was in college, my fraternity brothers and I, every spring break, we would uh, we would go up to this um, like campgrounds in uh, Smoky Mountain National Park called Cades Cove. Okay, and that's uh, where you would see UFOs. Like I, if you were going to see them. Oh, I probably. It seems like the place. I mean, it's just barely kind of south of Gatlinburg. <laughs> um, is it, well, it's just a little bit south of like um, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and stuff, which yeah. is basically like the trashiest place in the mountains. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean touristy place in the mountains. Sure. That's where Dollywood is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, Dollywood rules, but these other places suck. Dolly Parton sends my child a children's book once a month. Does she free. really? Yeah, for free. It's like Dolly a Parton is such a gem. She, we need to cherish her. Absolutely. Anyways, she's a, an American heritage. <laughs> um, <and laughs> anyway, so there's this part of Smoky Mountain National Park on the north side by Tennessee, south of Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and all that shit. And it's this spot where you can drive back into the park and there's a bunch of campgrounds in there. But then there's this giant driving loop. It's like 15 miles long. Oh, okay. And um, once you're on it, you cannot get back off of it. You have to uh, drive the whole thing because there's only one lane. It's only one way. They have those in the Everglades too. They're freaky. Yeah. Yeah. This portion of Smoky Mountain National Park is the high or one of the highest densities of bear, deer, and elk in the entire. Are these uh, black bear or brown bear? Black. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think we have brown bears here. We don't? Okay. Uh, I don't know the difference. No, they're just black bears. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm like 99% sure they're black. I know there is a difference, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. uh, I'm not sure at this particular moment either, but I know black bears are pretty big. Yeah. They'll tear your face off. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And there's a bunch of shit. There's a bunch of hikes and waterfalls you can go to and all this stuff. But what you can do and it fucking rules. (laughs) You're very excited about this. Well, I've done it so many times and it's awesome. Um, you get all your people together in the car and you just like, like what we would do is like, you know, you have like the bucket seats in the front and then like if you were in like a Subaru or some sure. shit. Um, and then you got the two people sitting in the back, but it's a bench seat and you just put an, like a whole case or an 18 rack or something of beers like right in the okay. middle of all four people. And as you're driving around, if you see a deer, you have to sip. And if you see a bear, you have to shotgun the whole beer and you Jesus. just do that around the whole thing. And I take it there's a lot of bear and deer so many okay enough to get fucked up sounds dangerous <laughs> <laughs> sounded fun to me <laughs> is is this a common thing for people near pigeon forge to do is this i don't like, know we is made this it what up people do out there oh i don't okay. know we made it up i mean, one time we were just driving around it was i mean you know, I like. Whatever. I also like how at the beginning of that, Subarus are the only cars that have bucket seats. You're like, if you have bucket seats, you're like a Subaru. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why I thought that because you could do it in a pickup truck or a Corolla or, or literally, any car, literally any vehicle <laughs> or any car. <laughs> like maybe a have, motorcycle if the seats wide enough at the back. If yeah. you have a car with a seat in the back, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess maybe this 4.8 percent sours like 
getting to me a little bit. The uh, the the gl- the non-existent glitter is making you giggly. Yeah, I think the glitter is making me more drunk. <laughs> this must be that white girl stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you just drive around and when you see a deer, you sip and when you see a bear, you shotgun. I, I mean, I haven't been back since they reintroduced elk, so I don't know oh. if we should change the rules for if you see an elk, but that could be different. But yeah, you can see a bunch of bears and deer up there. Huh? You can get messed up. It's fun. It's a great time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I would be into driving that loop. I don't know about shotgunning beers the whole time, but it'd be fun. I'll do it for you. All right. You can ride in the back. <laughs> I'll just I'll play be in the I'm front a- of the Subaru and you can ride in the back. <laughs> we got to get a Subaru. Um, <laughs> I don't no. even know where to get a Subaru. My neighbor has a Subaru. The That's Subaru the only person dealer? I, know a Subaru. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm always happy to ride around in the woods and get drunk. Yeah. I mean, that's the place to do Whatever. it. Uh, anyway, so All right. back to the... Back to Black Knights. Yeah, back to Black Knight. Black Bears, Black Knights. Um, Wait, so there was a second satellite. Did they name it something or did it just disappear? No, it just, they didn't bring it up again. Like I kind of dug into that a little bit and I didn't see any mention of the second satellite. So I don't know if maybe he saw one and thought it was two or if there was just a second one. And this was the only one that kind of like stuck. Did he see it through like a like a telescope or something? It appears that's the way he saw it. So he was working okay. with a guy named uh, Clyde Tombaugh, who you may know as the person who discovered Pluto, which big cool. deal. Yeah. Rest in peace, Is it Clyde a planet? Tombaugh. Is it not a planet? I don't know. Make well, a decision luckily, and stick to it. Luckily, he died before uh, the whole the whole controversy of whether or not it was a planet happened. That was a stupid controversy to me. Pluto's Very a planet. Weird. Get over it. Yeah, it's uh, it's the part of the nine pies, right? Nine pies. My very extravagant mother, something something nine pies. Isn't that how you remember the the planets? I don't know. You haven't heard this? I don't okay. know. I mean, I took an astronomy class in high school. I took inner solar system in college and I took deep space in college and a little bit of physics and there's like uh um NC State has an observatory. It's like yeah. right up the street. We could like break into yeah, it. Yeah, we walked right past it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's not break into it. Well yeah. not into not <laughs> there's nothing to break into. Right, right. It's just a field with a giant concrete pad in the middle of it. And then oh, okay. on that pad is a bunch People of people come out. Oh okay, it's a bunch okay. of Galileo mounts. Oh cool. Okay which those are pretty cool. If you, do you know what those yeah. are? Galileo yeah. mounts? Okay, yeah, they're cool. So for people who don't know what a Galileo mount is, it's it's a big piece of steel pipe that comes up out of the ground and then it has a 45-degree plate welded onto it and that plate points directly north so that when you put a Galileo right. on it, you can put this little plate underneath of the Galileo that's like a little battery. It's like a motor. Yeah. And when you put the Galileo on it, you can aim the telescope at something and then turn the motor on and it will rotate at the same yeah. orientation that the earth is rotating so that you can track something through the night sky without ever having to move the telescope right. again. It just slowly cool. rotates. Yeah. yeah, it's cool as shit. They had one at uh, at the college I went to, but it was lo- it was for like large telescopes. And it was cool because yeah. when you would hang out in there, it would be like slowly turning. You know, it was, just, it was like yeah. almost imperceptible, but it was very cool. Yeah, this is for like the 12 inch ones or something like yeah, the little guys. Yeah. This there thing you. was like the size of this room. It was huge. Oh fuck. That is huge. Yeah. It was like a 26 inch or something, you know, something massive. Okay. Um, so it's my very extravagant mother just served us nine pies. And that's I was about to say what's extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> the earth we're sitting on it right yeah. now. So Mercury, Venus, earth, Mars, 
Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Okay, there's another one now. They think they've discovered in another... Nibiru? Is it Nibiru? Is that Planet what it's X? called? I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, I heard. I read an article recently that they think that they've discovered another terrestrial body that's orbiting, but it has like some extremely long orbit. That's there's a, so there's and we should do a whole show on this. Um, there's there's this idea of Planet X or Nibiru, which is this like planet that has an extremely wide um, orbit, and they think that it's been here for millions of years, and it, it's a little further out than Pluto, and it comes in and swings in and actually comes between like Earth and Venus or something. Yeah, like once every. 10,000 years or some shit. Uh, maybe even longer, yeah. And so like, yeah. with, and if you watch the movie, I would recommend to you, which I did recommend to you a couple weeks ago, uh, Melancholia on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I never did go back yeah, and look at so it. Yeah, so it's Oops. that movie. Uh, maybe watch a recommendation I give you once in a while. Sorry. Um, so, I've so, been watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> so in this movie, a planet comes out of nowhere and strikes the earth and like ends the planet, you know. And right, so I'm going on my Netflix right now. All right. I have no idea how to spell this word though. Melancholia, like the Melon. Smashing Pumpkins album. Melancholia and the Infinite Sadness. Melan <laughs> so uh, all right, so we got off track a little bit. I'll, God, I don't as you search for that, I'll bring us back. All right, back. I can't find it. I'll bring us back. All right. I'll, I'll send you a link. You a link. <laughs> okay. So, I can't spell. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> so he had his two UFO sightings, uh Roswell and then the green fireball thing. Uh, and then later in 1954, a story broke in the press that La Paz, the guy we were talking about, and Clyde Tombaugh, the Pluto dude, were working on behalf of the Army. They'd found these two natural satellites. One was 400 miles up and one was 600 miles up uh, that they seemed like they had been uh, coming into orbit recently. Uh, later, when pressed by some media, they claimed that they had never said that and they didn't see anything. Clyde Tombaugh, again, the Pluto guy, was assigned by the military right after this. Like, this is an official thing. You pull up his paperwork. He was assigned by the military to find, uh, directly find the Black Knight satellite and any other, quote-unquote, non-human orbiting satellites. Years later, in an interview, he said he never found anything and it was a waste of time. Sure. Sure, yeah. So, it's, you know, it's either you believe these things or you don't believe these things. It's, it's, it's definitely like, there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the uh, official military sightings where like, you know, these guys who are actually doing this stuff, other sightings that have happened throughout, you know, time frames of the black Knight, or just in general, this is just specifically the black Knight. Okay. So okay. going back to 1927, uh, which, you know, uh, 30, 40 years before there were any sort of satellites up in the sky, there was a Norwegian scientist named Jürgen Halls who was uh, putting on his big 1927 headphones and listening to these transmissions uh, coming from the sky. And he found these long form echoes buried within the normal transmissions. Oh, wow. That's nuts. So a long form echo is something is like 30, 50, a hundred years out and then it's reverberating back. So it's basically this way where he um, he he heard these things and thought that they might have been exiting the earth, but then realized they might be returning also. So he was wondering if it was a natural phenomenon versus if these transmissions are going out and then being echoed back by something that is there. 
because at the time there was no thought of there's just something up there traveling, you know, and the moon wasn't reflecting these things. So it was a curiosity. He, uh, he really didn't know. He recorded all these things and he actually made um, a bunch of recordings of what the sounds were. Okay. I wonder if he has a sick mixtape. Probably. So he put these things on uh, uh, not vinyl, but you know, you know, the yeah, SoundCloud. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. His SoundCloud cylinder, <laughs> the, wa- the wax cylinder. So yeah, he had yeah, a no bunch of these things. So oh, anyways, that's really cool. We're going to come back to that. So remember this guy. Okay. So in 1950, Jurgen. Yeah, Jurgen Holz. Oh, I cannot do that with my tongue, but all right. Jurgen? Yeah, no. The, okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. So anyways, from Norway, Jurgen from Norway. Later in 1957, Dr. Louis Corrales of the Communications Ministry in Venezuela photo- actually took a photograph of the Black Knight uh, while trying to take pictures of Sputnik 2 as it passed over Caracas. Oh, nice. So he was trying to get, because in 1957, Sputnik was up and he knew it was there. And so he knew this Sputnik was supposed to be coming through. And so he wanted to get pictures of it up against the moon because it would be this cool thing. Venezuela, communist country, Russia, they're all together doing this stuff. So he wanted to like make this this cool propaganda thing okay, or, or just media thing. Okay. And so he went to take the photo and he took a bunch of them and when he Lo was behold, like, black night. Well, when he was like, Hey, here's what I've got. People were like, uh, Sputnik was on the other side of the planet when you took all those. So, Oh, what the big squeeze me. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, Oh, I have these things. How did this dude mess up that bad? If he thought Sputnik was coming across. Yeah. I mean, he, he just he took probably pictures of some timing shit? up and had it wrong or something. You know okay. I mean? It's 1957. You, you can't get like an email. Of when something's gonna happen. Come on, man. All They're right. just like, hey, this is going to come over in the next six to eight weeks. Oh, okay. Take a picture of it. Super loose. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like in uh, during the Wild West, like nobody had clocks. So they don't know what time it was. That's why they all met at high noon because you would look up and that's when the sun was up there. Gotcha. So, yeah. I didn't so, know like, that. I never yeah. thought of that deep into it. We'll talk a lot more about that one day. I, I actually have a lot of theories about like how people experienced time back then. I can tell you how we experience it now and it's fucked up. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to it. So on February 11th, 1960, a radar used by the Navy detected a quote unquote dark tumbling object that was not identifiable as belonging to the US or Russia at the time, which were the only uh, kind of superpowers on the planet that had space satellites up in the sky. The U.S. had this, again, major freak out that this was probably some sort of uncatalogued Russian spy satellite, and they they panicked and started trying to figure out what it was. And then the U.S. government and Time magazine got together to announce that it was just space debris and the case was closed. No, it's not. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Move along. Uh, these are not the droids. You're, this is not the space debris you're looking for. Right. And I like how they went with like Time Magazine. They're, <laughs> they're like, who are we going to talk well, to? Well, this see. was what? The 50s? 1960. Well, the 60s. They needed somebody reputable. They knew the guy who did the Saturday Evening Post pictures, the paintings. I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he did all the big fans. I don't have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Everybody would know. That's two old people stuff for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, no. I well, I would assume in the '60s, Time Magazine would have been way more credible than it is now. Well, yeah, that's the big deal. Is it was this huge credible platform? You know. Well, it's the authority. It's the authority on American propaganda at the time, basically. Norman Rockwell. 
That's who I was. No, okay. Yeah. I see. I'd have known if you'd said his name, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they were they were kind of like the known factor at the time. You know, if you got something, you know, like in the eighties, like Reader's Digest comes to your house. It's like a thing. Yeah. Or Rolling know? Stone. Or Rolling Stone. Like, yeah. You know, that's where you got your opinions on music from. You know. Yeah. This would be like the definitive in American propaganda opinions, except in the 60s, because I'm sure yeah. people were like, if it's in time, it's true. Well, yeah. I mean, because like, look at the, the back then, New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, there was the heyday of those things, you know? So yeah, for sure. Um, there wasn't a lot to like create confusion or distrust in them, you know? So anyways, the, the U.S. was panicked about these uncatalogued Russian spy satellites and they kind of went to Time Magazine and said, you know, tell everybody it's just space debris and that's what happened. And that was it. And then a year later in 1961, there's a French scientist named Jacques Vallée. And he announced that he saw a, and this is air quotes again, an extremely reflective unidentified object traveling in retrograde, which retrograde is a very big deal because retrograde uh, retrograde orbiting was completely impossible in 1961 because it is going the opposite direction of the Earth's rotation. So until 1961, all the satellites we had traveled with the rotation of the planet. So they were just kind of like booking along. They were geosynchronous. Well, they're rolling with it. They were just doing their thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, it depends on how, I guess, advanced their technology was or whatever because yeah, there's three different kinds of orbits essentially you can take around the earth geosynchronous which is where the thing that's above the ground stays at the exact same point above the ground okay it would be like if there was a satellite directly above panama city which is almost exactly on the taking photos or some shit yeah yeah um and it just stayed there right all year round forever and ever the satellite is directly above panama city that would be geosynchronous as the and Earth would turns. would some sort of power to remain there. Yeah. Uh, y- yes and no, because um, what they can do is calculations to where the satellite is falling at the same oh, so speed to, that yeah. the Earth is rotating. They just have to find the money spot. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So then, and they would have to make adjustments or whatever. But as the Earth is rotating, the satellite is falling at the same speed that gravity, right. that centrifugal force is basically yeah. pushing it back out. So it takes math. Yeah. So it basically just stays in the exact same place and rotates around the Earth directly above wherever it is. And then there's, you know, a normal orbit where it's orbiting faster than the Earth is. And so it, right. Those are the ones where when you're like out looking at the night sky and you see them go across. Yeah. They're going yep. faster or whatever. And then retrograde. And that's so kind of falling going the to opposite. Earth constantly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're falling to Earth faster. Yeah. But not, well, not really, or else they'd come down. But right, right. Yeah. They're moving fast enough that they can stay within the gravity grasp of the Earth, but not fast enough that okay. they would get thrown out. Yeah. And so then retrograde, same deal, but opposite direction of their rotation. Right. And it takes a lot of power to maintain retrograde because you're kind of like going opposite the pole. From So from what right. I understand from reading it, you have to have a power source to maintain a bit of thrust. Okay, you have to, to have like you a going, constant velocity. Right, to keep you going against the, gra- against okay. the grain. Okay, yeah, yeah. So interesting. That's why back in 1961, it was a big deal that somebody 
spotted something going in a retrograde orbit. Okay. So whatever this thing was had a power source. Right. Because in 1961, our satellites and any satellite that was up there didn't have that ability. Yeah. Valet like wrote up this big report about it and, you know, wrote about what it takes to have retrograde and, and the tech you need. And then he took it to his superiors and essentially they said, we're not going to deal with this. And he claims they confiscated the tapes, destroyed all the evidence and told him to go back to doing his job. Got it. And that was kind of where that storyline ends. And then later, uh, the Mercury 7 astronaut, Gordon Cooper, was up in orbit and he spotted uh, directly out of the window the the Black Knight satellite, literally directly that, uh, orbiting alongside them. And the thing that stands out about not only is this like an astronaut who, you know, pretty reliable, uh, not only is it the astronaut spotting this, at the time that it was being broadcast in the 80s, there was a over 100 people viewing the live feed while it was happening in Australia. And all of those people came forward and said that they saw the exact same thing. Oh, dang. So, so what you're saying the is the aliens were trying to pull up and hollow. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so these, you know, all these people came up and, and said that they saw this. And then later, uh, Cooper came back after he got back to earth and he was here for, for a week or so. He said, no, he didn't actually see anything and he thinks it was a mistake. Um, and then the hundred people in Australia were like, no, we actually saw this. Yeah. But it was in the eighties. So there's no screen caps or anything. You know, they were literally watching like monitor feeds in a building, you know? Yeah. Moving forward into like 1998, uh, the crew of the space shuttle endeavor photographed the black Knight. Uh, but at the time, NASA said it was just a blank, uh, space blanket. Um, what is a space blanket? Like those those aluminum foil blankets you wrap around yourself. Oh. Or like when you get your car caught in a ice drift. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so they said it's one of those. Um, but at the time, there was no evidence of any of them being lost in orbit. So there's no idea that that particular debris existed. So then in 2015, there were two direct sightings, one of the satellite passing directly in front of the moon, and then another, the, uh, the satellite was actually photographed by NASA maintaining a direct orbit above Florida. So it was actually expelling energy to maintain direction. And most recently, this is actually going back right before Thanksgiving, uh, November 7th, 2020, the um, the Black Knight was spotted and photographed, and it's up on YouTube. And we'll we'll go ahead and post this to our social when uh, when this episode is live. Uh, the Black Knight was spotted orbiting directly above the Philippines. Like there's images of it above the above the sky there, um, and that's weeks ago, November seventh, twenty twenty. Nice. So during all of this, NASA has maintained a very much uh, stance that this is just space debris. It's a uh, space debris that moves around and goes forwards and goes backwards and right. hovers over Florida, Retrograde. hovers over spies on Florida man, you know, he's trying to find the skunk ape. Yeah, exactly. He's there. There we know there. he's got to find him. You know, there's a lot of different people talking about it's here and there, you know, so there's some big names like the guy who discovered Pluto. And then there's some of these people that are like the head of communications of Venezuela, etc. So, but then, 
Have you ever heard of a uh, a guy who's done a little bit of science called uh, Nikolai Tesla? A little, a little bit. Familiar with him? He did a couple things. He's a, he's a dude. He's got hair, right? He's got the crazy. Yeah, hair. I think he made like a electric car or something like that. Yeah. Um. So in 1899, Tesla published an article called "Quote Unquote Talking with the Planets," uh, where he claims to have intercepted signals. And he says, and this is a direct quote from the article, while experimenting in Colorado, I obtained extraordinary experimental evidence of the existence of life on Mars. I had perfected a wireless receiver of extraordinary sensitiveness far beyond anything known, and I caught signals which I interpreted as meaning one, two, three, four. I believe the Martians use numbers for communication because numbers are universal. He straight up said that, and it's kind of kooky. And a bunch of people got together and they were thinking, looking back at the time frame. So modern astronomers and modern scientists looked at going back to 1899 and where the stars were and what all that was. Uh, they looked at stuff and thought that uh, the signal probably wasn't coming from Mars because of where the planets were when he made that announcement and when he would have made his calculations. But when, so when they look back at his geolocation, they think that it, probably came from the Black Knight satellite. Not that they knew where the Black Knight satellite was in 1899, but they knew where Mars was, and they think... It wasn't above Colorado? Right, exactly. At least not directly above Fort Collins. So okay, yeah, yeah. A lot of people have put together that there's a satellite up there. It's orbiting us, doing something, looking at Florida Man, checking out skunk apes. Why don't you give a guess? Where do you think the satellite could have originated from? I already know. Oh, you know? Yes. Where? I absolutely 100% know. Okay, let's hear it. It came from Elon Musk's time machine, and really okay. it's the SpaceX satellite from the future. Is this the same one he fired up with like the astronaut sitting in the driver's seat? No, no. Elon Musk hasn't invented his time machine yet. Oh, okay, okay. This is in the future. Fair. Okay. I'm into this. I'm into this idea. Yeah. Okay. And I think he's just like flying it around, checking on stuff. So you think it may be human-based? Elon Musk's 400-year-old body is up there flying it around. That'd be cool. I'm pretty sure that's right. It's very possible. I think that's definitely it. So... (laughs) (laughs) I I want that to be... I want it to be true so bad. I want it to be... I'll get back to my theories and I like the idea of human based. Like that's, that's a cool idea. There's a very solid guess that the satellite actually came from Epsilon Bootis. And what do you know about Epsilon Bootis? Uh, nothing. I don't know what that even means. Is that English? Uh, it's well, it's Latin. It's a, it's a name of a star, a dual star system up in the sky. It's actually one of the first, spotted star systems in the sky. It's a dual star system and it's known as extremely ancient. So what you're saying is this is where the predator lives currently. It's possible. The, um, so Epsilon Buddhist, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. In 1973, a Scottish astronomer and author Duncan Lunan wrote that he had quote unquote identified and deciphered a hidden radio message in outer space radio missions that predated human existence. He mapped the signals that were heard in the 1920s by Jurgen Halls that we talked about earlier 
and he found that they pointed directly at Epsilon Buddhas. They supposedly found the signals again uh, that were coming in. So he said that he discovered these, mapped it, figured out where they were coming from, and then captured the signals again, which were still coming, and actually decoded what they were saying. And he's got a paragraph of what these were saying. Oh, sick. So it's not YOLO 2020. It says, (laughs) (laughs) drink your Ovaltine. No. So... (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be awesome. (laughs) So it says, and and here's exactly what he claims that it says. Start here. Our home is Epsilon Buddhist, which is a double star. We live on the sixth planet of seven coming from the sun, which is the larger of the two. Our sixth planet has one moon. Our fourth planet has three. Our first and third planets each have one. Our probe is in the position of Arcturus, known in our maps. And so that's the whole quote. And so if you look at what what the position of Arcturus means, if you go back and you look kind of like from a first-person perspective from Buddhists, the position of Arcturus would essentially be Earth. So it's saying that they're... Okay. So their probe is on our planet. Okay. Which is freaky. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This author, Duncan Lunan, who uncovered all this, uh, the downside is he's actually a science fiction author who has written a whole slew of sci-fi books. And he is also a leading proponent of a theory that the quote-unquote green children of Woolpit were mistakenly transported to Earth due to a malfunction in a matter transmitter. And the, uh, the green children of Woolpit is uh, one of the oldest conspiracy theories that dates back to the 12th century that talks about these two random green kids that dug themselves out of a pit and walked into a city and then learned how to speak English and said they came from a faraway fairy planet. So this guy has extreme enough opinions about these green fairy kids to think about where they originated from to have that whole argument. The fact that he has this such a strong opinion on the origin of these kids shows how deeply involved he is in this like conspiracy culture in general. So maybe his ideas about what he deciphered as being the message from Buddhists, maybe not the best to listen to as a fact. Or or it's a hundred percent true. Or it's possible. Or maybe these green kids came from a mistaken matter transmit and he's right about both of these things. I think it's the more believable option. Well, I mean, <laughs> we weren't there in 1100 AD. We yeah, don't know. you can't know. You don't know. Time I mean, traveling Jesus knows. Kids can be green for many reasons. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if kids can turn orange from uh, from eating carrots, they can turn green from falling from a malfunction matter transmitter. It's possible. Just saying. Yeah. It's maybe totally maybe it was arsenic poisoning. Does that turn you green? I think it does, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, I think it's a thing that happens. Oh, wow. That, okay, that's much more likely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it messes with your brain, too. So, like, these kids probably had arsenic poison, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you get arsenic poison in 1100 Britain either. So, but anyways. I don't know. So, the real question is, how long has the Black Knight satellite actually been there? Let's make some assumptions of, uh, you know, Maybe this dude's right. Maybe maybe there is a satellite up there. You know, NASA's taking a bunch of foot. There's there's official. You can Google Black Knight satellite, and you're gonna find NASA photos of this thing. 
Okay, so they stopped trying to hide it. Uh, well, they they're just saying it's space debris, but they have these photos up there. You know, okay, they're not hiding anything, so it, it's all there. And then there's all these other people. You know, the guy who discovered Pluto said he saw it, and he was put in charge of a task force to find more things like the Black Knight satellite. You know, and as we got more advanced, they were seen less and less. And so, does us getting more advanced, seeing them less, mean that they're not there, or does it mean they realized we have better abilities and they pulled back? You know, lots of questions there. Yeah. So how how long has it possibly been there? You know, when we first started talking about this, I was saying. I thought I had heard that it was like millions of years old. Um, and I looked up and there was a couple things that were saying here and there, these little articles saying it was millions of years old based on transmissions of how long it takes to get from different places and ways that, you know, light transmits and matter transmits and how things travel across the solar system. What we know is there are some drawings and paintings of the Black Knight satellite going back to. Uh, the Dark Ages, you know, 1200, 1300 AD. And similar satellites can be spotted in these different carvings from that time. And and actually, I've started, I slotted aside a bunch of them. I'll post to social uh, after we we launch this episode of these different pictures because they're kind of interesting. But the number that comes up over and over again, if you start doing research on this, is 13,000 years. You know, why 13,000 years? What are they thinking? Uh, People think that's, kind of how long it would take to get a message from Buddhists, essentially. It was 13,000 years. So maybe that connects it. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the guy with the green kids from the pit isn't the way to connect the time frame from all this. Yeah, so people can say 13,000 years, and and the thought is it comes from Buddhists, but you know who knows at the end of the day. But I have my own favorite theory on this and what the possibility is, and I saw it brought up a couple of times in a couple of different uh, YouTube videos and a couple of different articles. One of the things I heard was that the Black Knight satellite could possibly be a satellite of human origin that was launched in the ancient times. Something that's been up there for 13,000 years, but launched by humans who were around 13,000 years ago. And this gets into a particular... A topic of mine that I really like discussing, which is kind of ancient human civilizations, really brought up by a favorite author of mine named Graham Hancock, who wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, uh, Magicians of the Gods, and America Before. He's a journalist who has done a lot of different research with a bunch of different scientists, and he basically puts forth some fairly solid evidence and ideas that there was an ancient advanced civilization that was wiped out by a major meteor strike in the northern United States 12,000-ish years ago. The idea is basically that this hodgepodge of historical references that show the same sort of gods traveling around the world, teaching humans how to go from hunters to builders 12 to 15,000 years ago, were this ancient seafaring, very advanced civilization that did a lot of different things. And he puts forth a lot of evidence in cave drawings, temple carvings, ancient tales, and all of these old stories of um, kind of ancient gods who bring knowledge to people. Uh, and so hold tight on this. We're going to do a whole episode on this. And I've, I've, got, I've got hundreds of pages of notes on this stuff. So I'm a big fan of this guy. So I've written a lot about it. The theory is that maybe these guys... 13,000 years ago, launched this sort of ancient advanced satellite 
as a way to try to communicate with the future. So maybe it wasn't spying technology. Maybe they just figured out a way to launch something up like a time capsule. Exactly. But put it in space where, you know, if a civilization is advanced enough to start looking and doing things like building pyramids, they realize that time eventually kills everything. So the one way to actually preserve stuff would be to put it up into outer space where it can be uh, just preserved in the frozen abyss of outer space. And so maybe they figured out how to get something into low geosynchronous orbit and keep it there. Or they shot it up there and put it on autopilot. Very possibly. I mean, you know, so, and then maybe all these things of like, oh, it's retrograde. Oh, it's this is just mistakes people have made throughout the time. If that's the case, then we have to look at things like NASA have been looking at this. The Russians were looking at this. So if there was this giant kind of block satellite that's been traveling up there, one of two things happened. You know, either one, they captured this and had a good look at it and were like, um, F this, what this says is nothing we want anything to do with and just ignored it. Yeah. Or they grabbed it and it was even worse than that and they didn't like what it said and just walked away from it. Or or they grabbed it and we have com- well, we have computers now because of it. I mean, it's possible. Who knows? Like cuz they could have grabbed it and it said something bad. They could have grabbed it and it said something good and they have been denying it this whole time because really they're yeah. up there studying it on the moon base or you know, they keep just kind of pulling it around different places so people have yeah. a hard time finding it because really they're up there studying it. Well, and if we do go down that path, like who knows what it says? Like, you know, the, the yeah. earth has been through a lot of problems in 13,000 years, you know, major flooding, yeah, uh, glaciers, meteor strikes, all these things. So who knows? Who knows what it could share? Like what kind of knowledge? Like, you know, the human race isn't very good at passing knowledge down. Yeah. I mean... One of, one of my favorite theories that I think I want us to talk about at some point is, um, I don't want to go too deep into it, but basically the yeah. gist of it is that Jesus was actually a time traveler from the future and he came back to like, and, and all like the scriptures and Bible are in and right. everything is really like an instruction manual from the future on how to avoid the apocalypse, except... Yeah they had to write it in a way where it was like cryptic and they didn't actually come sure. out and say in this year and this time we're going to die like this. It's more of like an instruction manual and the black Knight satellite is the time machine that they used to travel back Ooh. in time and possible. Yeah. I like that idea. And who knows? I mean, cause like, you know, we don't know what the spaceship material is, is like in the future. Maybe we think it's 13,000 years old, but really it's only, 2020, 2050 years old. Right. Or Jesus was like 30 when he died or something like that. 33, right? yeah. Yeah. So whatever that is. Yeah. I can't, I can't do math in my head, but 2021 plus 33. Yeah. What's that? A couple of years. Yeah. They just like, <laughs> 11. Oh, they put a 12, baby on the time years. machine. And then like Kal-El, like a Superman thing. Yeah. No, I don't know. That wouldn't work because how would the baby know what to tell him? That doesn't make sense. I just put a hole in my own theory. 
<laughs> it's 400 year old Elon well, Musk. No, he had the crystals. <laughs> like he had the crystals. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 He, he has a fortress of salt. This is the fortress of solitude. The pyramids are the fortress of solitude. Elon Musk's. Oh shit. That's that's the it. Sub chambers have that's the crystals. Tutankhamun was actually Jesus's time traveling dad. I don't know. Maybe. Or I don't know. I still think it was Elon Musk. E, okay. Future Jesus Elon was Musk. actually time traveling Elon Musk. And the only reason that there's the dinosaurs is because Elon Musk thought it would be cool to take a pit stop and go grab a raptor or two and bring him with him. And his kid's name is the code to unlock the Black Knight satellite and open it up and get all the facts. Yes. That's the code to the blast door. Yep. It's Kyle. <laughs> is that how they pronounce that I name? I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty right. sure. It's cool. the ultimate bro. And yeah. at the very end, uh, you have to slam a can of monster into it. Or it won't open. <laughs> <laughs> or like a Seagram's ice cooler. Yeah. Or, um, well, no, a twisted tea. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. There's so many ways that you could go. Um, with this one, like, what is the satellite? Why is it there? How long is it? It's just endless more questions. Yeah. I mean, probably because it's nothing. Yeah. yeah, Any theory that you could come up with would be as plausible or not as anything. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm never going to get up there and push buttons on, you know, Black Knight. Probably, probably not. I mean, who knows? I might. That'd be cool. But yeah, chances are low. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. And I started like when I started actually looking for a lot of the information on this, basically the stuff I brought up is stuff that all came up in like NASA and government documents, and like actual, you know, quote unquote facts around it. But when you go over to like duck, duck, go and put in black Knight satellite, like you get some deep tracks on people being like, listen, lizard people from Beetlejuice are definitely sitting in this thing. And like, you know, just people just making shit up. You know, I didn't even think about the lizard people. You know, this it's a whole other path is it speaks directly to the lizard people. This is the space station where our collective consciousness is being <laughs> held. And if we destroy it, we'll go back to the real world. We need to shoot nukes at it today. Uh, right now. Yeah. Because if we destroy it, we destroy the thing holding on to our consciousness. We'll go back to the real world. It'll be like breaking the matrix. Is that a thing in the matrix? Do they blow up a thing? No. Oh. No. It'd be like breaking it. Oh, okay. Like Breaking Bad? I don't know. I never finished that show. Oh, you should. It's good. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I imagine if like, if they were, if in the Matrix, they were to destroy like the head brain, everybody gets released from the Matrix, right? Except in this case, instead of only Elon Musk's 400-year-old body being released from the Matrix, all of us get released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be a hell of a boss fight, like 400-year-old Elon Musk. Yeah. He's like the knight from the end of uh, uh, the Indiana Jones. The knight. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. From uh, The Holy Grail. And yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's one of the best ones. It is the best Well, one. Sean Connery. You can't beat Sean Connery. Yeah. Come on. I love that one. I definitely think that one's the best. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls trash. It was garbage. That Absolutely garbage. Sucked. Yeah. Like, was that Shia LaBeouf? Was he the kid? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't hate him in it, but I just. I just hated the part where I was like, all of the other Indiana Joneses. It's like, uh, 
you know, crazy people in the middle of the woods doing stuff, tearing your heart out. Uh, you know, um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you got right. the Ark of the Covenant and melts yeah. people's faces. And then, but last crusade, they're going for the, uh, Holy Grail. And then this one, it's literally Indiana Jones finds aliens. And I'm like, right. I'm like, what the fuck, George Lucas? <laughs> Why in the world did Steven Spielberg decide it was going to be a good idea to let right. George Lucas do this shit and destroy Indiana Jones? Like, it was just yeah. so dumb. It well, was so it, dumb. I the, was very angry The Crystal Skull thing is kind of interesting because if you kind of dig into that a little bit, one of the most interesting things about the whole Crystal Skull thing is Dan Aykroyd. What? Yeah. So Dan Aykroyd owns a kind of like controlling partnership in crystal head vodka, which have you seen the vodka? That's a skull. Yeah. And yeah. That so like that's Jay Z's vodka or something. No, no, no. That's like crystal. He- that's crystal skull vodka. So yeah, it's like P Diddy owns it. No, no. Dan Aykroyd owns it. Wait, what? The skull, the crystal skull. Yeah. Vodka yeah, yeah. No, is, I know the vodka. Yeah, with it's the skull owned by bottle. Dan Aykroyd. Or no, he has not. a controlling ownership in it. Really? I thought it was like some rapper. No, it's Dan Aykroyd. All right. Okay. So, I we're, love Dan we're gonna Aykroyd, do by we're the gonna way. do this episode soon. We're gonna do this as one of the new ones because uh, it's amazing. Okay. So there's the gist is like these crystal skulls are this gigantic power on the planet, and they do this crazy resonance thing. In Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, no, in Dan Aykroyd's reality. Okay. And so he has bottled it up and created vodka for you using the power of the planet. It, I'll explain it. I need it, some now. I will I've never wanted some before episode. ever, but I need some now. I, I love Dan Aykroyd episode. because, okay, remind me, Dan Aykroyd and his whole family are like super conspiracy theorists. And super Canadian. Oh, shit. Canadian conspiracy theorists. Yep. All right. I don't know how, I don't know what I need you people out there, listeners to do to share the shit out of this, but I need, <laughs> I need Dan Aykroyd on this show. I will reach out to Dan Aykroyd and his people. <laughs> He was on, he did an episode of Joe Rogan where he went over like the crystal skull thing. Really? And it was amazing. It was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. This sounds amazing. Yeah. So I'll share that episode with you. And then I have probably 30 pages of notes I've written about Dan Aykroyd and his crystal skull stuff. All right. And uh, we'll, we'll go into this and we'll do it in a very soon episode. Okay. But I think for the Black Knight satellite, I think it's uh, it's going to keep orbiting and we're going to keep doing this and we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. So when we post the episode, come out to our Instagram or come hang out with us on Discord or whatever and let us know what you think the Black, site, the Black Knight satellite is up there doing. Is it alien stuff? Is it time traveling Elon Musk Jesus stuff? Is it from... Wherever that place is, you said it's from <laughs> Buddhist. Upsilon Buddhist. Epsilon Buddhist. Yeah. Buddhist. There's yeah. like it has an umlaut over the second O. So. Does it? Yeah. But yeah, either way, the umlauts we would, don't uh, make ooh the sound. Buddhist. Re- no. No. That's not the sound that umlaut makes. I don't think so. It's like an uh. It's like a. I'm trying to remember. That was like a uh, a short O or an E or know. something. I don't remember. My last name's French. We don't have the umlauts. I don't know. I don't know. Mine's English. so yeah come out talk to us especially uh jump into discord you can speak you can speak to us any time of day in there uh i mean we sleep at night but we'll talk to you during the day yeah i'm happy to come hang out we can uh have uh we can have um you know uh 
video calls or voice calls. We can yeah. hang out, play video games together. We can do whatever you guys want. We can hang out, talk about beer. We can hang out and just get drunk together. We can hang out and talk about, get drunk and talk about conspiracies together. We should do like a live show where we play music and talk to people about stuff. Play music like we play music on instruments or play music like we just listen to music? Either. Okay. Yeah, there's a bot. I can we can both in. do both. So yeah. Well, there's a bot that I can build into the Discord that makes it so that people can request songs and stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's so cool. we'll, we'll, we can set up a record player. And if we don't know how to play the song, we'll play the record. And if we do know how to play a song, because you can play guitar, I play bass. We can just play it. Oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Black Knights. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for coming out, for coming out, coming out. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> Jumping on your phone or laptop or wherever it is that you're listening to us ramble again and, uh, you know, supporting our show and listening yeah. to us. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we will catch you again next Thursday. joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind-the-scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash Podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real. Mm-hmm.